Welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where it's our goal to help Christians love and live out God's Word. My name is Aaron Nicholson. I'm a pastor here at Indian Hills Community Church. I'm joined with Pastor Jesse Randolph, and we have with us Dr. Les Lofquist. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Lofquist. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. He's been both a pastor, a Bible teacher, um, a ministry leader for many years. Um, for 20 years, he has served as the executive director for IFCA International, where he oversaw the association of 1,500 churches, uh, pastors, Christian workers, chaplains, mission agencies, as well as eight Bible colleges and seminaries in 27 countries. Um, Dr. Lofquist has earned a Doctor of Divinity degree from Calvary Bible College and Theological Seminary, and a Doctor of Ministry degree from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. As I mentioned, you've been a a church planter, Dr. Lofquist, a Bible college professor, and a senior pastor. And as your shirt so well brands, today you are uh, the assistant professor of practical theology and director of church relations at Shepherd's Theological Seminary in North Carolina. Um, Dr. Lofquist is married to his wife, Miriam. He loves the Lord and seeks to equip pastors and church leaders. Dr. Lofquist, is there anything in ministry you haven't done, as Aaron just went through that list? Wow. I've never served in Lincoln, Nebraska. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, Like we've talked about offline a little bit, we got to really know each other actually in Lincoln a few years ago um, when the IFCA convention was here in this city and not knowing providentially how God would work all that out. But it's been neat to partner with you even through STS now that we're a cluster site here at our church for Shepherd's Theological Seminary and know that you're doing a great work out there equipping and training leaders for the ministry. So that's, again, going to be the topic today. What is pastoral ethics, where pastors go wrong? And uh, I'll just kick it off with the first question here, which is how would you describe a good pastor? Well, that's a great question. And uh, obviously, I've done a lot of thinking about it through the years, uh, overseeing the fellowship of pastors, counseling pastors, training them now, being one myself. I always, in everything, I start with the Word of God. And the first passage I come to is uh, 2 Timothy 2.2. The things which you've heard from me. So a good pastor got to have biblical knowledge, things you've heard. You got to be able to teach the Word of God. Things you've heard from me, teach to faithful men. Faithful men, there's got to be an element of character. So biblical knowledge, character. The things which you heard from me, teach to faithful men who will be able to teach. Able, there's a word in Greek that talks about competence, competency. And so that's ministry skills. So we have biblical knowledge, character, ministry skills, and you'll be able to teach others also, and they will be teaching. Um, And so there's leadership reproduction. So a good pastor has to know the Word of God, has to have character, has to have skills in ministry and and has to be able to reproduce leaders. So I start in 2 Timothy 2.2, but, you know, I always like to kind of begin by looking at the end and then kind of work my way back. The end, I want to hear from Jesus Christ, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus uh, twice uses those words in Matthew 25. There gives some other ideas about what a good servant of God is. Well done. Uh, The idea of there's competence, there's doing aspect. Well done. Good and faithful servant. The the idea of good 
is the idea of his character, transforming, agathos, the Greek word for a moral quality. So well done, there's competence. Good, that's a character. Faithful, uh, that's the idea of a commitment. You're going you're gonna to persevere. You're going to stick it out. So well done, competence, good, character, faithful, commitment, uh, servant. The idea is uh, the position. The position you have is it's a humble position. You're to assume uh, humility. So a good pastor, according to Jesus's words uh, that we all want to hear as pastors that when we see him, well done, good and faithful servant. That that has to deal with what's a good pastor. And I also uh, completed a, a doctoral work at Southern Seminary, and my uh, dissertation was on basically the idea of competencies for a pastor, core competencies break down to uh, micro competencies. So six really big core competencies I identified for a pastor is uh, preaching and teaching, leadership, church governance and ability to govern and lead church, uh, spiritual vitality and even self-leadership. That's the idea of uh, our, our core uh, spiritual life the ability to counsel others and outreach and disciple making. So there's a lot of elements to what makes a good pastor, but those are some of the ones that I just like to throw out. Yeah, I like how you started with the word. And that's what a pastor should get his content from too, is the word. But you start with what preach the word, that's the duty of the pastor, and the character behind it is is equally important. Thank you. So now thinking about the character uh, on that side, what are some common mistakes pastors make as they step into that area of leadership? Uh, when I hear the word mistake, what that makes me think is not necessarily uh, character issues or moral issues. So setting those aside, that's where I always begin, what you are as a person. Uh, but setting those aside, I wouldn't call it mistakes if we are filled with pride. Um, so mistakes of a pastor, I know uh, I frequently will tell young pastors that churches are like horses. They startle easily. So don't do things that are uh, sudden and without forethought and opportunity for people to, to think about. And uh, you're constantly trying to be very careful not to startle the church with radical changes. And then when the horse becomes startled, then the young pastors frequently dig in their heels and now they've got a bucking bronco and they've got a real trouble. So I tell them to concentrate, especially the first year on, on getting to know the people and uh, understand them. I mean, know uh, their names, names of their kids, where they went to school. Um, you might go up to a guy and just assume he's a big Huskers fan and he kind of assures you quietly, well, I actually came up here from Norman, Oklahoma, you know, and took a job. So, you know, get to know he that. He would whisper about that, wouldn't he? Yeah, that's right. You know, get to know things about people um, like this one. Uh, his father was a World War II veteran. And this one, his mother died when he was young. And these are things I tell him quietly to have a little journal of some sort where he's writing things down to get to know the sheep. Jesus said in John 10 that, a good shepherd will call a sheep by name. So get to know their names. Sometimes young pastors are so eager to get going that 
they're leaving the people behind. They're not even getting to know them. So first year, get to know them, get them to know you, spend time with them. I've been watching your pastor. I've been watching Jesse uh, through Facebook. I've thoroughly enjoyed watching him take his family to the Cornhusker games and, you know, watching all that. And and I just kept smiling, saying, that's a wise pastor, <laughs> because you don't go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and start yelling about the Minnesota Vikings, your favorite team. <laughs> so you get to know the people. Uh, you spend time with them. A mistake is if you don't. Um, and um, uh, other mistakes involve when people start to maybe gently push back or have questions, don't see them as adversaries, as opponents, as enemies. Uh, see them as God's instruments to help you sharpen your ideas and make your ideas a little more clear. So young pastors, uh, don't become adversarial with uh, people who differ with you. Develop the art of uh, diplomatic disagreement, the ability to tactfully disagree with people. So important. That's all very insightful and very helpful. And Les, you used it as a sort of an illustration, but we have had that guy that's an OU Sooner fan here that I just assumed was a Husker fan. And I walked right up to him and I said, go big red. And he was like, what red are you talking about? Because <laughs> I root for another team in red. And uh, it, it was a humbling moment to realize I, I can't just assume I know everything about everybody. But to your point, to make sure that as pastors, we take the time to get to know people in our body, to intimately get to know them and their families and, and what makes them tick. Because we're looking into a sea of faces out there that have you know real passions and real desires and uh, real sin and real struggles. And uh, you can only get to the bottom of that by actually getting to know them. So I think that's real wise counsel from you to, to future pastors and existing pastors to make sure we never lose sight of that. Well, Les, I know you've written uh, in, in the Shepherd's Theological Seminary website, I think it might be the blog, on irrefutable laws of leadership. Could you unpack what you mean by that and, and what those laws are and, and why you wrote on those? Yes. Um, I, I'll kind of simplify it. I won't, you know, do the whole article, but it began when I taught a leadership class back at Grace Seminary. And I was talking to, uh, our, our church was filled with people who had either graduated from the college and seminary or they had retired from pastoral ministry and came back to the happy place of their uh, youth and where their children had gone to college and settled. So they came back. So we had like 21 retired pastors and 50 guys who weren't pastors, uh, but had gone to seminary. So I had a, all these people I could talk to. So I just started talking to them and I came up with some principles, I think, that are really crucial in the idea of irrefutable laws. I think the issue of character, I've already talked about that so, so much already here in this podcast, but character cannot be underestimated or undersold. Your character sets the standard for everything that happens in the organization. Given enough time, your character is going to permeate the entire organization, whether it's your own family, whether it's the church, whether it's a ministry organization, they become like you. And so your character, who you are when no one's looking, who you are at home, who you are quietly behind closed doors, that becomes crucial. So principle of character. Secondly, the principle of servanthood, the idea that leading is about serving. It's not about what you get. It's not about what you can gain. It's not about how you can uh, accrue 
uh, accolades for yourself and a stepping stone onto something bigger. You are serving people. Remember, the symbol of pastoral ministry has to be a towel in a basin. Um, the willingness, like in John 13, of Jesus washing feet of the disciples. So character, servanthood, and then vision. Now we're talking about what leadership's about, because you can be a, a godly, godly man and a wonderful servant and just a very ho-hum or even not a leader at all. Leadership is you see a worthy goal more carefully and clearly than others, and then you inspire them to pursue that goal with you. So you see further, farther. You can even try to see around corners. You anticipate. You're thinking ahead. Things that need to be changed, things that need to be updated, things that you need to do, things that, that you can see that can be improved for the glory of God. So uh, the issue of vision and uh, leadership, uh, so crucial. And then the issue of, I've already said, inspiring others to follow. You see a goal clearly and you can see farther uh, ahead. And then you inspire the people around you. Howard Hendricks, uh, the old uh, Dallas seminary professor, used to famously say, if you say you're a leader, show me your followers, because if no one's following you, you're just out taking a walk. <laughs> so you need to inspire people. And pastors inspire people, frankly, through an ability to teach the Word of God, an ability to communicate clearly. You inspire people through your life, your character, through personal relationships. People say, I want to follow that guy. I like him. Um, and so they start to get inspired by you. And then they start hearing these worthy goals that you see. And uh, um, you don't spring them on them the first five, six, eight months in your ministry. You let them kind of get inspired. And then you say, hey, here's where we want to go. So vision, inspiration. And I think another one that we don't talk very often about but the older I get, the more I see it. It's the need uh, for giftedness. Some people just aren't gifted uh, by God uh, for leadership. And I I never denigrate anyone for a lack of gifting that God hasn't given them. Uh, heavens, that's not my role. Uh, God, through the sovereign Holy Spirit, gives sovereignly uh, spiritual gifts and giftedness. So, the leader, I would say, has to possess giftedness in relationship to those he'd lead. Someone modestly gifted will have difficulty leading uh, those around him who are very gifted. And so that was always something I tried to factor in when churches were asking me uh, for advice on pastoral uh, placement when I was at the IFCA office. I would always think about, well, this is a church with a gifting that we require this. And this man's gifting is more in the area of this kind of uh, ministry. So giftedness is important. So character, servanthood, vision, inspiration, giftedness. I think those are some of those irrefutable laws. It's a very helpful list. You mentioned servanthood in there. What lessons have you learned about being a good follower? Can you describe a good follower? That is so important. Aaron, thanks um, for asking that, because following, usually guys get in their head, leading means I'm out front and I'm telling everyone what's going to happen. And the very first thing that when I started talking about the Word of God and then started talking about the spiritual life, 
um, the character of a leader, he first has to be a follower of Jesus Christ himself. Godly, good people are not going to want to follow a man who is not first himself following Christ. So following is so crucial, and, and I think it's essential. And so then you start asking, okay, well, uh, what does that look like? Well, I think first off, it looks like humility, recognizing even in leadership that as a leader, I'm still following Christ, and it's it's his work, his time, his purposes, his plans, his glory. That's what we're seeking. And so uh, humility is so crucial, and sadly, it's often lacking um, in leaders, especially the more God enables them to do, the more full of themselves they become until it's quite odious and uh, abhorrent for me to see. So humility is a characteristic of a good follower. Another one, if you're following in an organization, um, like Aaron, I know that you're the college pastor. Mm -hmm. And Jesse, I know that you're the senior, the lead pastor. And so what does that look like for you, Jesse? Or for the guys who are listening right now who are following uh, the lead of another uh, in their ministry? Well, you need good judgment. You have to be able to take direction, but not blindly. And then as a follower, you you need to have a, a work ethic to get the job done. And so uh, following involves working. And then this idea of just being honest. There are times where you have to speak up and say, I have a responsibility to be diplomatically honest in this situation. And uh, with respect and courtesy and politeness, you constructively offer feedback that will help the person you're following help him to hopefully make a correction in the direction he's going. The follower needs to be loyal. It goes without saying that Jesse is counting on you to be loyal, and you're counting on Jesse to be loyal to you in your own staff relationships. And so following in a church ministry involves loyalty. And uh, maybe last thing is I just say discretion. You, you have to use discretion. The information that you learn as a follower, as you're following uh, the lead of, of another man, in an organization, um, the way you speak, the way you not only address him, but more importantly, the way you talk to others about him is so crucial. So following begins following Christ. And then how, what does it look like for us in our various organizations? I would just offer those uh, some thoughts to consider. That's again, very helpful. Alas, I appreciate that very much for, for multiple reasons. As it relates to one of the things you mentioned there on being a good follower, and actually temptations to go askew in ministry, you mentioned humility or the lack thereof. That leads into another question I had, and maybe this won't be limited to humility, but what are some of the biggest uh, temptations or, or moral compromises you see church leaders facing, whether it's lack of humility or, or anything else that comes to mind? Well, always the first thing that comes to my mind in our rampantly immoral societies, just sexual purity. Sure. Um, the first thing, that's that's a, a compromise that Satan has found throughout human history, the means to destroy a good men and their ministries. So that goes without saying. 
no compromise uh, regarding sexual purity. The issue of pride. Uh, some of the guys I've seen, they start saying, I'm important, or uh, I want you to consider me important. And so they're, uh, they start to become filled with pride. Another temptation, I don't know if it's a temptation, actually, but the issue of insecurity, leading from our insecurities, what is that guy saying about me? What are they doing over there? I've got to, I've got to, uh, to take care of that. We have to overcome our feelings of insecurity as a leader to lead effectively. And, and that's a real temptation. And another one is it's different than pride, but it's related. It's the issue of power that, um, I'm going to control people. I'm going to dominate the group. This is what leadership is. And they lead, uh, with, uh, uh incredible, power and domination. And uh, General Eisenhower, Dwight Eisenhower famously said, that kind of leadership is not leadership, that's assault. You're just assaulting people uh, with your uh, domination. Another one is, I, I think it's really, it's, it's, it was always a temptation. I graduated from seminary, launched into full-time Christian ministry back in 1982. It's a long time ago. Aaron, what year were you born? 88. <laughs> Jesse? I'll just say I was around. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, so here I am, 1982, and all of us were dreaming about maybe becoming the next John MacArthur or something like that. Man, it just seems to have gotten worse hmm. that guys just want to be famous, not faithful. They want to be famous, and they'll do whatever it can they can to get noticed uh, to become famous. And um, that's a real temptation. Another temptation is just money. You know, uh, well, hey, if you're a leader, you're typically paid better than a follower. So I'm going to take over. I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to get, I'm going to get handsomely rewarded for my efforts here. So those are some real temptations that, that men face. Yeah, with the point about fame, I, I feel like the internet has, you know, escalated that. I mean, now it shows you how many people have watched your videos, how many people have liked your posts, and um, I appreciate the warning to avoid that temptation to seek fame. Um, well, it was it was something I had to seriously consider when you asked me on your podcast. I said, "Oh, I don't want to get on this world famous podcast because you know it might uh, make me sense a little greater." Uh, important. So, well, I don't think we've achieved world fame yet. So yeah. we're, we're okay. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> yeah. When you see our numbers, you'll stay humble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll take care of okay. itself. <laughs> well, it's a privilege though, to, to have you here. Um, I guess I do have one, one more question for you. What should be done to prepare future leaders in the church? Well, I see it happening in your church. Uh, as I've been watching, you have a pastor who takes things very seriously from the pulpit teaching the Word of God. And then I know the hunger that you have among your own people. I see it in the uh, interest you've had in what we call the Cluster Initiative and a group of you uh, students there, right there in, in Lincoln, clustering around and a Zoom platform, checking into various theology classes uh, that we offer in our seminary and many other schools do that for folks listening to the podcast. Plenty of opportunities for for that. But I, I, I will say this, I'm constantly, and I, I do return back to, not surprisingly, 
talking to guys from Lincoln, I do return back to a football analogy. And that is, if you're a good coach, you need to constantly be recruiting. You're always looking for more. You're always looking, not because the current guys are bad, but because you just need more. You need more opportunities for, for healthy competition, or you need bigger numbers, or you just need to replace those who have moved on. The analogy I think is appropriate for ministry. I'm always recruiting, looking for more leaders. And the way I do that is I look to see, um, are they faithful in little things? Are they faithful with the use of their money? Are they, are they good with people? Do they have what I think might be possible gifts that can be developed? I start looking at kids as young as six, seven, eight year old boys and I start talking to them. If Jesse's boys were here with me, I'd be talking to them about the wonders and how the joys of ministry and, and trying to encourage them to pray about it. Not that everyone has to go in ministry or has to be a leader, but for goodness sakes, if I'm not calling others, who's going to? Most people aren't thinking about these things. So I'm all the time thinking and I'm all the time recruiting and I'm constantly working with men trying to develop them to be the leaders that God has called them to be in their homes, in their church, and in their communities for the glory of Christ. Well, yeah, it comes full circle from the way you started uh, from Timothy. Teach faithful men who will be able to teach others also from every age, too. Appreciate that encouragement and appreciate the exhortation. Well, thanks again, listeners, for listening to the Sound Words podcast. I guess we'll close with uh, Pastor Jesse. Do you have any other Verses to read. Yeah, it's just the, the same verse as always. 2 Timothy 1.13, where Paul says to Timothy, retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sound Words podcast. <laughs>